to talk about between now and one o'clock today, including Prime Minister's questions. But let's start with the main story uh, that's been dominating the news agenda this morning. It's the government's strategy to clamp down on violence against NHS staff. The Health Secretary, Matt Hancock, is launching this today. It's what the government's calling the NHS's first ever violence reduction strategy. Uh, it comes after a budget, of course, when details of how the government's going to spend an extra £20 billion pounds a year on the NHS were revealed. Well, Stephen Barclay joins me, the Health Minister, uh, the MP for North East Cambridge since May of 2010. Uh, and in troubled times, a good friend to Theresa May. You've never voted against the party in the current government. Uh, well, I support the Prime Minister and I support spending an extra £20 billion on the NHS. It's uh, your listeners' key priority. That message has been made clear to us. It's mm. this government's key priority and that's what the Chancellor set out this week. I bet she wishes she had more like you around her at the moment. I'm sure she does as she gazes around the benches. Um, so let's talk about, first of all, we will get into the budget uh, and the details of that and how that's been received. But let's talk about this new violence reduction strategy, first of all. Talk me through the details and what, what exactly it is supposed to do and how it will make a difference. Well, the NHS staff are there to help and serve the public, but uh, around one in eight have suffered from violence, which is completely unacceptable. And I think if you look at the staff surveys, there's three areas that are of particular concern to the Secretary of State and, and to myself. Uh, one is bullying in the NHS. There is an issue that we need to, to tackle. The second is uh, the issue of violence and the announcement today from Matt Hancock in terms of how we get much more visibility on that and how we have a zero tolerance, tolerance uh, approach to enforcement on it. Uh, and also the lack of diversity, particularly black and ethnic minority staff in leadership roles. So these are three key areas of focus and today's announcement tackles the second of those, which is the, the issue of violence against staff. Which is a real problem, a huge problem and has been for a long time now. It is. So there's a myriad of things we're doing. I think firstly, getting the data, bringing visibility to it, putting the CQC uh, inspection regime at the heart uh, of challenging trust in terms of how we tackle this. We're using technology. So we've got pilots, for example, for body cameras with paramedics, because paramedics particularly are at the sharp end. Uh, and we often see this coming through in terms of sickness rates and variance uh, in terms of how it affects health and well-being. So using body cameras uh, and technology to support this. But also sending a very clear message that where there is violence against NHS staff, we as a government take it very seriously and we're going to ensure that prosecutions follow. Is it taken seriously? Because you said there about making it more visible and anybody who's been attacked at work in the NHS would feel that they've made their point quite clearly already. And there's a text already from, from Nigel in Kings Lynn. Mm. It says, I used to work in a secure unit. The NHS may well adopt a zero tolerance policy to abuse and violence of staff at work. The police will not. They see violence in secure mental health units as being part and parcel of the job. Without police support, there'll be no prosecution. How are you going to get around that? Well, uh, I know Kings Lynn very well. My son was born in that hospital. I know the issues there. And in a way, this the concerns he raises is exactly what we're tackling today. It's how we work closely with the police and CPS. We've actually, from a government point of view, toughened the law on this so that offences of uh, violence against NHS staff will have double the penalty as previously the case. So from, from six months to a year, which is still, a year is still not long, is it? Well, it's a doubling of the sentence, which I think sends a message. I know, but it, it's it's from, from small to slightly less small, I think is the point I'm making back to you. Well, it's a doubling of it, but I think there's a myriad of reasons. So but the, the key issue is that it, we have the technology that picks it up, that allows us to prosecute, that it's prioritised by the police and the CPS, that we're getting the data collated, that the CQC is prioritising it in its inspection regime, and that we send a message through the sentencing, through the law, that we are taking this 
seriously because those within the NHS have a right to go about their work serving the public, doing a fantastic job as they do, but to do so in safety uh, and that is a key priority for us. There was a, a body called NHS Protect, which you will know well, and that used to deal with this kind of thing but it was disbanded, it was refocused in March of last year and it was criticised at the time and that suggests that the government, even though you talk about visibility, mm. that, that was a huge mistake retrospectively to make, wasn't it? Well, NHS Protect was doing a number of other things. So one of its key tasks was on fraud prevention. And we've got an issue in terms of the level of fraud against the NHS. Uh, £1.29 billion, which I'm sure your listeners will be shocked to learn, is the current estimate of, of how much fraud there is against the NHS. And that is money that should be going to the front line. Uh, so the decision in terms of NHS was to say we do need to prioritise tackling fraud. That £1.29 is a big sum of money that we need to use again. Fraud is important, but between then and now... There has been nothing, nobody, apart from the individual trusts, looking at the support and protection of the staff. And at the time, Unison told you that assaults on NHS staff were growing. They said that the gap needed to be filled as a matter of urgency. It said that stopping fraud is important, but it sends the wrong message to employees that the NHS values its buildings more than staff safety. You left a vacuum for months on this. No, we didn't, because it is the job of the trusts legally. They're the employers. It's their job to protect. What we're saying is we need greater focus within the trusts, and that's why the role of the CQC, which very much focuses the minds of the leadership of trusts. And I had a roundtable with chief execs, first-time chief execs yesterday, uh, discussing these sort of issues in terms of how we support the staff in the NHS, how we give it greater focus. The Secretary of State is absolutely key. The workforce is one of his key priorities one of his three priorities and as part of that doubling the sentencing, uh, raising the profile with the CQC, ensuring that trusts are working closely with the police and CPS to prosecute. These are all areas mm. that we need to prioritise. So even retrospectively, you don't admit that that was a bad idea? It was about a different issue. I think it was the decision. I wasn't a minister in the department at the time, um, so one would have to, to speak to the ministers at that time. But my understanding of the decision was it was much more linked to how we tackle fraud rather than this. Let's talk about the budget and the numbers for the NHS, because that was important, an extra £20 billion a year. Um, is that enough in your mind? to solve the problems that the NHS is facing? Well, it's the biggest ever increase that the NHS has had. It reflects the fact that the NHS is our government's number one priority. The Prime Minister herself is personally very committed to the NHS. To some extent, I don't think there's ever a number that will ever be uh, enough uh, in one level. Um, but of course, what's different about this amount, not only is it a massive injection of money into the NHS, two billion also particularly going to mental health, which I know is an issue your listeners have often raised with you in the past and one we are particularly prioritising getting cancer detected sooner because cancer uh, survival rates have improved every year since 2010 but the real issue is how quickly we diagnose uh, looking at A&E and getting a quicker response there so, so this 20 billion will make a massive difference but what's different to 2015 is alongside that efficiencies uh, will also come on top of the 3.4% mm. so the last, Labour, uh, the last election Labour was suggesting a 2.2% rise would actually transform the NHS. The Conservatives are giving the NHS 3.4%, plus there's opportunities in terms of productivity and efficiency on top of that. But, so this is going to make about, a huge difference. That's all about political argument over the floor of the House. So when you look no, 20 at 20 billion people, isn't about political argument. No, 20 billion is actually making a massive though, difference. They promise this, we promise that. If you ask the Health Foundation, they say 20 billion is simply not enough. If you ask the Nuffield Trust, uh, they say after a financial squeeze of many years, much of this new 
money will be needed just to get the basics back on track. So what I'm saying to you is it's not a, a we promise this, they promise that. The people at the front line are saying, thanks very much, but it's not enough. Well, uh, Simon Stevens, Ian, uh, the chief exec of the NHS England, Ian Dalton, are producing the 10-year plan uh, in terms of how this money is spent. As I say, the 3.4% is in addition to what we deliver in terms of productivity, uh, which will be on top of that. But this is the biggest ever injection of cash into the NHS. It will have a transformative impact on things like cancer survival rates, on areas like mental health, which is key. Priority. What about so it's things like make... public health initiatives? Because they've been cut back on, and one way, of course, to try and manage the behemoth, which is the NHS budget, is to get people to take better care of themselves. But if you get rid of public health initiatives, things like obesity, smoking, lack of exercise, then you're storing up problems for the future. Well, these are, are done in the round, uh, and the public health is part of the local authority settlement, and that is done through the spending review in the absolute normal process. But just in terms of whether you say this is enough, the government was criticised uh, this morning by the FAS for the amount of its spending that is going into the NHS. And I think what that reflects is the, the wider balanced approach that the Chancellor is taking. There's a tax cut for 32 million people for your listeners who are seeing a cut in their tax of personal allowance going up to 12,500 because we believe that people should keep more of the money they earn. Extra money going into universal credit. So there's a whole range of measures in this budget alongside the biggest ever injection of cash into the NHS. Mm. But the fact is still that the people in the know say it's not enough. So is there going to be more cash on the way? No, I, I, I don't accept the people in the know say it's none enough. So what, if you the, look the health, at the, the Health Foundation are wrong, yeah? The Nuffield Trust, when they say that, they're, they're incorrect, are they? Or, well, or are you saying they're not in the know? Well, I'm saying people like Simon Stevens, who is the head of NHS England, uh, supports uh, the government's proposal on this. Ian Dalton, the chief executive of NHS Improvement. But the point I'm saying is the 3.4% is what the government is contributing. In addition to that, you will also have the productivity opportunity to gain. So Lord Carter, for example, the Labour peer who has done uh, a fantastic piece of work for the government in terms of looking at variation across the NHS. If you take just ambulance trusts alone, the 10 ambulance trusts, uh, Lord Carter identifies £500 million of efficiency savings because of variance. For example, we have 10 different ambulance trusts, but we have 32 different types of ambulance. We have big variance in sickness rates. We have big variance in how many patients we see and treat at the scene and how many we convey. So in addition to the 3.4%, it's also important that within a budget that is £125 billion at the moment that we're taking up to £145 billion, within a budget that, that size, we do owe it to taxpayers to also ensure we drive efficiencies. And one of my recent announcements, and not a big ticket one, but probably will connect with many of your listeners, things like medical equipment, crutches, uh, armchairs for people having a hip replacement, which often get issued and they're not recycled. People are just left to, you know, leave it in their garage or take it to the skip. You know, we're going to recycle those and make sure we use uh, equipment more efficiently. We're going to build on the work that Lord Carter has identified in terms of variance across the system. So alongside this biggest ever injection of cash into the NHS, the £20 billion extra a year, alongside of that, we're also going to drive the efficiencies mm. that we see from variance in performance. I also wanted to to ask, I mean, we've reflected on, on your department and on, on what the budget was doing for health, but there's something that, that's created a lot of anger. I've seen it on the text, you'll have seen it in the media. Um, the fact that Philip Hammond um, was talking about schools in England, getting £400 million to, quote, buy the little extras they need. Um, 
Choice of language as a politician is always an interesting topic, isn't it? Do you think that retrospectively he will regret sounding so flippant about that? I think to be, we're all human and, and you know, choice of language is important. Choice of language is important. Which has a lot of time spent I, on it. I, I think the, the, the wider point is that. Um, Department spending has been protected in terms of real terms, uh, so so spending will go with inflation. But we will look at those budgets in terms of the spending review. This was a budget, not a spending review. And I think sometimes people confuse, quite understandably, but confuse what is a budget and what is a spending review. And yeah. I think the two different things. But, but the point is the language that was used, which has infuriated... Um, well, the NAHT said this is a budget that will infuriate school leaders. When you say things like that, and it, it, gave, the, it gave the Labour Party an absolutely open goal to say the government doesn't understand what's going on here if you talk about little extras, but schools are struggling. Well, there's always some people in life that are always looking to be offended with different things. I think the, well, the bigger issue is what this was, was a balanced budget that gave a tax cut to 32 million people, that increased the personal allowance, that put additional money into universal credit for those working so they can keep an extra £1,000 before... Um, uh, their benefits are affected, that put the biggest ever injection into the NHS. And I think as a health minister, uh, I'm already seeing from the response of chief execs of hospital trust that I met yesterday and others, what a difference this is going to make to your listeners as patients, whether that's on their cancer survival, whether it's on mental health, uh, whether it's in terms of how we prevent uh, sickness in the community. And I think it's going to make a big difference to our NHS as part of that wider balanced approach that the Chancellor set out.